All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Season 1, Episode 3 of the King's Reign Podcast. Got myself, Austin Sandwich, contributor to Hockey Writers, covering the LA Kings. My brother Adam, how you doing, buddy? Excited. Draft day is always exciting, so uh, definitely ready to talk about it. Yes, sir. And Chuck, our other buddy, how you doing, man? Fired up, man. A uh, lot of exciting stuff to get to. Just had my pollo loco, so I'm, I'm ready to go. You're real ready to go. You're fueled and everything. Fueled and everything. Adam mentioned the draft. We'll get to that one a little later. But first, let's talk about the expansion draft that went down two days ago. Uh, Seattle's joining the league. Okay, they had some good options from L.A., and they decided to take Curtis McDermott. It's a real interesting pick. Chuck, what do you think about that pick? I cannot be more happy that they took, of all people, Curtis McDermott. Um, I think that's a huge sigh of relief. I know when we talked about it on the previous pod, um, we were, I was very scared about them taking Kale Clegg. I know a lot of um, analysts had Clegg going as well. Um, and I love that the Kings get to keep him. You know, they need that defenseman. Uh, Clegg's got a ton of potential. Um, he's got that modern-day style of defenseman where he's mobile, um, can move the puck really well and contribute offensively as well. So I'm excited for, for Kale Clegg um, to, you know, continue to grow and hopefully uh, land a spot with the Kings this year. Yeah, man, I definitely agree that Clegg was a guy that I was really dreading losing from that draft because I thought he was the obvious pick. And like you said, he's kind of the profile player the Kings really need right now and has a ton of potential. So I would have hated to see him just to lose him. Oh, also, um, I feel like if we were talking about McDermott playing forward anyways for the Kings on that fourth line, I mean, the Kings already have that guy, just a way better version of that guy in Brendan Lemieux anyways. Yeah. Um, so obviously Lemieux brings a lot more to the table, um, has that better skating skill of the puck, obviously plays that hard nose, blue collar type of style as well. So um, again, no hard feelings to, to Curtis McDermott, but um, you know, was uh, you know, breathe a sigh of relief um, after after the Kraken took him. Yeah, that's a really good point. That uh, the, if the reports are true that he was getting moved up to forward, they, you kind of don't need him since you have Brendan Lemieux. You already kind of don't need him because of Lemieux. That that trade kind of made him. I hate saying useless because I feel like I'm being unfair to McDermott, but he, he's kind of useless after that Lemieux pickup, right? Exactly. Uh, Adam, what do you think about them taking McDermott? Um, yeah, I think. You kind of hit it on the head. Like, I didn't see a single mock draft that had McDermott being the guy. Like, most – I'd say 90% of the ones I saw, it was Clegg, and then you had a couple that were Gunstrom or Wagner. But um, for the Kings, the only thing, if I'm going to play, like, the other side of the fence, we saw in the last expansion draft that a lot of, like, side deals got done. I It does worry me a little bit that of all the guys that they would take McDermott, I'm almost a little worried that maybe there was something behind the scenes that we don't know about where the Kings are now going to have to send something to the Kraken, whether it's in two months or it's a year or two down the line. That worries me a little bit because it's amazing to me that that's the guy that they would take. Yeah. I, when I first saw that, I was pretty uh, worried about that, but Friedman did report that we got no, no side deals on that one. Apparently, uh, Ron Francis kind of overplayed his hand. Teams are really worried about making side deals after what happened in Vegas, and just no one was willing to do it. He just he took McDermott. I, just kind of a crazy pick. Uh, do you want to give a shout out to the mayor, John Hoven? He reported the day before that there was a good chance McDermott was going to get taken. Everyone was pretty shocked by that, and he was spot on like usual. I mean, what a guy, right? And uh, he also pointed out something that if I was a Seattle fan, would kind of concern me, and that's that. Uh, 
a big reason McDermott went to Seattle was because Ron Francis played with his dad, Paul, in Hartford, and there was a connection there. I mean, if, if my GM's making the decision to take Curtis McDermott over way better players because he's boys with his dad, that's super concerning for me, right? I mean, I would, I would hate to see that. Um, I will give – the one thing I'll give Ron Francis is uh, a lot of the guys, like if you're picking Austin Wagner or Kale Clegg, you're banking on them reaching a certain potential, right? You're banking on Austin Wagner finding a bit of a goal-scoring touch or Kale Clegg developing into a legit two-way defense in the NHL level where at least with McDermott, you know what you're going to get, right? You're going to get a guy that can go out there. He can fight. He can protect your guys. The locker room loves him. Everyone likes having him on the team. So I, that is the one thing I'll give him is it's kind of a more known quantity with uh, – or known quality with McDermott. So I get the logic. I just don't think it's super sound logic. What about you guys? Yeah, I would agree. Um, there is something to be said to have, like, those glue guys, especially if it does turn out that he was, like, going to be a guy that could play forward and D. But given the other guys that they took, um, it's, it's still surprising to me. Like, I, I think you look at the rest of the guys they took, they didn't take a whole lot of guys where you look at, like, big-time potential guys. So the Kings would have been a good option for that. Um, but like you said, though, I mean, if, if it is more of an off-ice thing, like, you, you need those guys on the roster. And, like, I given the guys that they have, I'd be surprised if he even really plays in the NHL. I'd imagine he'll be more of an AHL guy that's up and down. Yeah, they have so many good defensemen. You could have easily taken a shot at Kale Clegg developing. You were a really good player and been fine if you didn't, right? Chuck, what about you? Do you think there's any positive about McDermott, maybe just from that, like, intimidating kind of guardian factor? No. Um not at all. Fair enough. I think he will, like like uh, Adam said, be be more of an AHL kind of guy. Maybe up and down um, if there's injuries. Um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't know uh, prior to this podcast that um, McDermott and McDermott's dad, excuse me, and and uh, Ron Francis uh, played together. So good to know the reason we all all three of us didn't make it to the NHL is because <laughs> politics still work their way up to the yeah. highest level so even no, I'm just kidding. 14 huh chuck <laughs> exactly it was a knee injury man <laughs> <laughs> uh for sure so we will talk a little bit about the seattle team that are pacific division team the kings will see them a little bit this team i mean everyone said that vegas team didn't look good and what look what they did but i'm not not thinking that this seattle team is going to bring much to the table honestly like they like we said they couldn't get many of the side deals done that vegas was able to get done and their roster just – it doesn't look great. I mean, they'll look different after free agency hits because they do have quite a bit of cap space. But as of right now, that team – I mean, they're gunning for Shane Wright and Connor Bedard in the next two drafts, I think. What about you guys? What do you think of that uh, roster? Um, there are things that I do actually really like about it. Um, I think that they did do a very good job of giving the team an identity right out of the gate. Um, you look at the guys that they went out, Cal Yonkarok stands out. Um, Blackwell from the Rangers, I think, is a really good player. Um, they went out and they they immediately gave that team an identity. They're going to play hard. They're going to forecheck really well. Like, I imagine win-loss or shootout, like, they're not going to be a fun team to play against. And I think there is something to be said for that. So, I don't know. I, I think it'll – it's going to be one of those behind the scenes thing where if those guys all mesh really well, I think they could overachieve overachieving. I think for that roster might be just barely getting into the playoffs or being just barely out of it. But um, I don't, I don't hate the roster. Like I like some of the guys they went out and got, if he ends up being hundred percent healthy, Yanni Gord's been one of my favorite players in the league for a while. I think he's super underrated. 
um, and that'll give him a little bit more time for ice time. So I think you look at guys like that. I could see this team being sneaky good. I don't think we'll see what we saw with Vegas, but like you said, like nobody saw that coming with Vegas for the most part. So I'm interested to see, but I, I like the roster that they put together. Yeah, they definitely got a lot of sandpaper on that roster. You look at guys like Brandon Tanev, Adam Larson on the back end, uh, even like Morgan Geeky from Carolina, the big boy who can put the puck in the net. So there are some positives. I just, man, I think outside of – you have too many guys like that, right? You have too many third-line players, and eventually you're going to need a little bit more skill. Uh, yeah, I, we, I like thought your, that, we thought that about Vegas, though. Yeah, definitely. You're definitely right. That's 100% true. Um, I yes. really like Jordan Eberle for them. I could see him pop up yeah. and have a really good season. Him or – Don Skoy, I could see having one of those seasons where you're like, man, this guy came out of nowhere and just put up 30 goals. I'm, like, I'm telling you, I, I really think Yarn Kroc's going to be that guy for them. Really? Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. He's a good player. Uh, Chuck, what do you think about that roster? Yeah, you guys uh, took the words out of my mouth. Uh, very sandpaper type of roster. Again, we could be, you know, sitting here uh, in in May or June saying like, you know, Seattle did what Vegas did, but, um, you know, they still also have 28, um, over $28 million in cap space as well. Um, so that's something to consider, um, you know, heading into the rest of free agency here. But, I mean, you mentioned Yanni Gordon, Jordan Eberle, guys that could put the puck in the net as well, um, in addition to their grit guys. And they also have a great leader in, in Giordano as well. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. Again, um, to see see what this team does. So um, exciting to see, exciting to see the rivalry to develop between um, the Pacific Division with the Kings as well. Um, but yeah, uh, like you mentioned, Austin, not the again. I don't want to say say anything bad about them because I know the, the Vegas effect might happen again. But but yeah, um, you know, I don't think they'll be the biggest contender um, this coming season. Yeah, I, I really like their decor. Actually, you mentioned Giordano. Giordano, Larson, uh, Jamie Alexiak, there's some pretty pretty good guys to start your uh, start your franchise off with on the back end. And uh, like you mentioned, and Vince Dunn too. Can't forget Vince Dunn. He could be a guy that blows up to them like Shea Theodore did, becomes a real like uh, premier offensive defenseman in the league. Um, you mentioned the big cap space. I have to imagine they make a big run at uh, like Gabriel Landeskog or Dougie Hamilton, one of the big free agents. And if they can land one of or both those guys, like you said, $28 million is a lot of money. That completely changes the dynamic for that team. I mean, you get two really elite guys in there, and this roster looks a lot better. Uh, do you think they'll make a big run at anyone, Adam? Uh, yeah, I think they're really going to – I don't think there's going to be anybody in free agency that they don't really make a run out. Like, obviously, you have all that cap space. They're in a advantageous uh, situation where they don't really have anybody locked up long-term, so they're not worried about getting into cap trouble in a few years. So – I imagine uh, Landis Cog, they're going to make a big push. I could, Landis Cog seems less likely than Hamilton to me. Hamilton, I think, would be very likely. And then maybe they, um, they, like you mentioned, they have a lot of good defensemen right now. So maybe they dish somebody or maybe they just keep that depth. But I think, and honestly, one of the biggest reasons is like you got to sell merchandise and like you're going to sell a lot of Dougie Hamilton jerseys if you sign him. So I, I think they're, that's a guy I could really see them making a run at. Yeah, I mean, we were kind of, getting on Ron France about the team he picked, but I do think we should give him maybe a couple weeks in the free agency before we start saying what a fool he is and how bad of a team he picked, right? Like, we don't know the long-term plan. So, we, we do got to give him that. This team could look a lot different come opening night. They might be a lot better as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you already saw them make uh, trades already. They they shipped Tyler Pitlick 
uh, off already. So they have some good pieces to, to add as well. Um, so we'll see. And uh, want to go back to Dunn as well. I know we talked about him last time, but yeah, again, that's someone that, that can be uh, turned into that kind of Shea Theodore like, like you did with Vegas. So, um, so yeah, again, exciting things to see, but we'll see how this all plays out, um, especially with all that cap space they have. Yeah, their D is massive, too. If you added up another big boy in Dougie Hamilton, I know he's not the most physical player, but he's still real big, real rangy. I mean, you got Alexi X, Hughes, Adam Larson, the big boy. Uh, Giordano, I don't think he's too tall, but he's a thick guy. He can throw his weight around, and you add, like, what, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, Dougie Hamilton. That team's looking tough to play against in the back end for sure. Like, we talked yeah. about the sandpaper up front, but they'd have it in abundance uh, on the back end as well, so – should be a fun team to watch this year. Uh, the Kings, we'll get to play them quite a few times, and I'm looking forward to that matchup quite a bit this year. Yeah. And lo- love the branding on them, too. Jerseys are awesome. Logos yeah. are awesome. Oh, they're like, sick. Love yeah. the name, too. Like, they, they did a really good job. Yeah, they did a great job. Also, the bit, most disappointing thing ESPN's done this week is not having Marshawn Lynch announce every single draft pick today. Yeah, that was oh pretty fantastic. Every, uh, I would have killed to see Marshall Lynch try and pronounce Simon Edmondson's name. It would have been great. I, I just love the struggle bus, and they give him the hardest name yeah. on on that board, too, with uh, Yarn Crow, was it? That Yarn Crow, yeah. yeah. He, he, he just called him Callie. He didn't even try to say his last name. Yeah, I don't blame him. Yeah, and no, he's just like, that dude. <laughs> Don's uh, would have been fun to watch him stumble through, too. I would have loved that. The, the guy that they had announced, Don Squoy, I, I think he was an SX um, Supersonic. Yeah. Yep. He struggled with that one. I was like, yeah. somebody couldn't tell him how to say it beforehand. Like, yeah, that's what, what I was thinking. Yeah, we were like, there's no way no one was sure. Yeah, like someone like, had to prep him, please. Because I feel like they've known these picks, at least most of them, for a bit now. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> like, Minimum Somebody could have done yeah. that dude a solid. Yeah. Exactly. Could have helped him out a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, this should be a fun 2021-22 season with Seattle joining the uh, joining the league. So uh, I think that about wraps up for expansion draft talk in the first half of this podcast. So we'll come back in the second half with some entry draft talk. Hey, Kings fans, if you're enjoying the Kings Ranked podcast right now, I'd suggest going over to HockeyWriters.com and checking out the great Kings coverage we have over on that website. As well, if you're enjoying the Kings Ranked podcast, think about giving myself Adam and Chuck follow on Twitter as well as this podcast. Links for all of that will be in the description below. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the second half of the Kings Rain podcast where we're going to talk about the NHL entry draft. The first round of the draft just happened about probably started about three hours before this recording and the Kings made a nice pick at number eight, picking up defenseman Brant Clark. I mean, I'm stoked on this guy. He is a stud of an offensive defenseman. What do you think, Chuck? Yeah, had a chance to watch him um, after last week's pod. Um, few things to really like about him. His skating ability comes to mind. Um, that great first step and acceleration um, is nuts and, and crucial for, um, I said it you know, earlier in the pod, but for a modern-day defenseman. Um, in the NHL, um, you know, that really benefits his game offensively where he can skate the puck up, join the rush, um, and, you know, eventually gain the zone when he's on that power play unit for the Kings. Or I know we'll talk about, you know, if he does get shipped off as well. But um, uh, like you said, Austin, stoked on this pick. Um, a lot of uh, analysts had him going top five. Um, so glad he dropped a little bit and the Kings were able to snag him up. Uh, so, yeah. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, his skating is something I actually want to touch on. Uh, kind of was a big criticism at times coming into this draft year, which was really weird to me. Uh, you know, have a piece coming out about him on Saturday on the Hockey Riders, and I think his skating, it's goofy, and people mis- mistook that for being bad. He stands yep. really straight up when he skates. His feet are really wide, and he looks kind of real stiff and kind of like he has bambi legs out there, but looks can be deceiving, and this guy, he flies, man. There's so many clips where he pick it up either behind his net or just inside his own zone. He just blow by people. I mean, I know that Slovakian division or the OHL, depending on where you watch him, it's not, you know, they're not the NHL, so it's going to be different, but he is a top, top skater in every aspect. Top speed, acceleration, like you mentioned. His edge work's fantastic, and he uses it really well defensively. So, I mean, I, I think the – Kristen's about his skating are going to be quickly put to bed once he does suit up for the Kings, which I love. Adam, what do you think about Clark? Uh, yeah, I like his game a lot. When we talked about it last week, I mentioned like guys like Duncan Keith or Adam Fox uh, come to mind. Like Very calm with the puck. He's a good enough skater where he can get himself out of trouble. He doesn't necessarily have to he, – he's not a high off-the-glass guy. He's going he's gonna to be able to pick his head up. He's going to be able to find open guys. If he doesn't have anything, he can wheel it back. Um, I imagine you're going to see a lot of D-to-D work. So um, I like his I like his game a lot. I I think he's a little further out, maybe two seasons or so before we really see him make an NHL impact. But uh, there's a lot to like there, and it's interesting what you said about the skating because like that's something that a lot of people said about Evgeny Malkin when he first came to the league that like oh he's lazy, uh, he doesn't look like he's trying very hard, and like I, I think it's just he has a different stride than a lot of guys. So I, I think uh, that's definitely true of Clark, where like he skates funny, so people think he skates bad, but I find, I find some clips of him like ma- not making plays because of his skating. Like they're not really out there. So I, I think that's, I, I think you're right that that's going to be put to bed pretty quickly. Um, and I actually like it. Uh, I know we talk about Edvinson a lot, but I think this kind of defenseman works better for them. I think they would have taken Edvinson if he was available, but I think getting a guy like this actually works better in their system than Edvinson was. Edvinson, I think would be like a better version of Bjornfoot where Clark gives them something that they don't really have right now. They haven't – I think he'll be their true – like the first true offensive defenseman they've had since maybe Lubomir Vishnowski. And he, that's another guy that, like, stands out. Like, he, I think he could be that kind of defenseman for them, where a guy like Edvinson or even, like, as much as I like Luke Hughes, like, they're kind of two-way guys that they have a lot of where he stands out. He is an offensive defenseman. He's not, he's not a two-way guy. He's not a stay-at-home. He's going to help offensively. Good throwback yeah. name. Yeah, no, that's a great shout-out, actually, because uh, <laughs> I, I also really was high on Edmondson Hughes, and I think I think you really nailed it, saying that Clark's actually more of what they need than Hughes and Edmondson were. The big thing with Hughes and Edmondson were left-handed shots as opposed to Clark's right-handed shot, which is the only kind of, if you want to call it a downside, is the only downside to him. But I think when you get a player that fits this profile so well and has such a high upside like Clark does, I, I don't really think – you can be too upset about it. And I, I agree. I think it's a really good pick and gives them exactly what they need. Uh, yeah, and Vishnovsky's a great shout-out, actually. I think that's a really good uh, really good comparison. Throwback. Yeah. I, the the I old know, school uh, Kings fans will love you for that. Yeah, exactly. they, they got to bring back the purple and black. I love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I also uh, – you mentioned Fox and Keith. The uh, comparable I see a lot is Eric Carlson, and I think that's spot on. He has that uh, – he has that ability to kind of jump up in his, the play and activate as a fourth forward, which is so beneficial in today's NHL. Like the ability to 
jump up in the play. A lot of teams move to an offensive system where they stack the ice when they enter the zone. Having a fourth guy to jump in on that just gives you so many more options and is such a difficult thing for teams to deal with defensively. You know, it, it really is uh, difficult for defensemen that are backing off and back-checking forwards to decide who to take in that scenario, which I think is huge. Uh, another thing I want to point out, you said he's not a high-off-the-glass kind of guy. I 100% agree, and I think a really good thing for him over a guy like Edmondson, which we talked about a lot last week, is he isn't high off the glass. He likes to take risks, but he's very smart with those risks. He does not – he's not a like a riverboat gambler kind of defenseman who's going to turn the fuck over a ton trying to make big stretch passes or dangle at his own blue line, but he is able to make kind of that, that home run stretch pass and beat guys one-on-one coming out of the zone, and I think that's a huge benefit to the Kings. Do you got anything else on uh, Brent Clark, Chuck? No, you guys hit it hit it on the head. Again, something that the Kings need for sure. Um, and, you know, as Adam said, probably two, maybe three years out. But um, if the Kings do keep him, um, I can definitely see, see him being being a top two defenseman for them. Yeah, Chuck, you mentioned it uh, a little bit twice now about Kings keeping him or not keeping him. You know, he just got picked, so we haven't actually heard anything about that possibility. But my only thing is we know that the Kings have been searching really hard for an elite left shot defenseman. And I think the acquisition of Clark makes it hard to get a true, true elite guy just because you already have Drew Doughty signed for $11 million through 26-27. And I think before that deal is finished, Brant Clark will probably need a huge pay rise, even if it's not his like big, big contract. He's probably going to make around $6.5-$7 million. So if you then add a guy like Morgan Riley, who we mentioned last year, is probably going to want, you know, eight to 10 million for long-term, you know, you can really cripple yourself if you're not careful with that guy. So uh, I think that's something to keep in mind is that it could, you know, how that affects their plans moving in the future is, is something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, how would you feel about that? Adam, if they really, really wanted a left shot defenseman and said, Hey, we're going to trade Clark while his stock is really, really high for a big time left shot guy. Um, yeah, I, I would like it. I, I think what I would like more, though, given the other defensemen they have in their pool, especially with being able to keep Kale Clegg, I think if they were going to make a move for that left shot defenseman, I like the idea of keeping Clark because um, as much as I like the players that they have right now, they have Bjornfoot, they have Anderson, they have Clegg, you kind of know what those guys are going to be. And I'd, I'd like them to hang on to Clark maybe just because you don't know what he is yet. Like, he, he could be another one of those guys that's a – like you hope is going to be a solid 3-4 guy. But like like you mentioned, he could be a $6 million man. And like he could he could end up being a top two defenseman. With the other guys, you already kind of know that they aren't. Um, so if they were going to make that move, I'd kind of like to see it be with maybe other – the other pieces they have now and then maybe some draft picks. And then you hang on to Clark. Because like, for example, if you, if you package Clegg, a draft pick, and maybe one of their other prospects, you could get that guy and you would be able to keep on – hang on to Clark. So I I see the idea behind it, but I'd prefer if they kept him. And if that is their idea to move a defenseman, I'd rather see them move somebody else. Yeah, definitely. They also uh, – the last thing they're going to need heading into the next year is another first-round pick. So if they really do want that left shot guy, they can definitely package something with that um, first-round pick and maybe one of their prospect, their board prospects not named Turcot Kelly over Byfield. Uh Chuck, what are your thoughts on the possibility of them maybe moving Brant Clark for that big-time left-shot defenseman? 
Yeah, I mean, when you take a look on the flip side, like, yeah, it, it'd be cool to keep him because of that uncertainty. You know, he could be, you know, like you mentioned, that $6 million man. But on the other end of the spectrum, you also have to think about a lot of these first rounders, especially who don't develop into that guy and maybe up and down from even the AHL and NHL. Kings do have a solid um, defensive core right now, as you mentioned, Bjorn Foot and uh, Anderson and Clegg. Um and then you have also have to think about the Kings running into that problem that Toronto did where all their prospects do develop and then now you have to pay them and you're kind of stuck with, you might have a situation like Nylander where he holds out. So, um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a risk of a guy who might not even pan out for someone who's already proven themselves uh, at that top level, like a Morgan Riley. I know the Kings aren't going to get Dougie Hamilton, but someone like that. Yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Kind of uh, instead of taking the mystery box, take something you already know. Uh, I'm going to go out and take what's maybe – might be a hot take in some circles of Kings fans. I don't think they need an elite left-shot defenseman now they have Brant Clark. I honestly didn't think they needed an elite left-shot defenseman before they got Brant Clark. I really like Tobias Norfolk, and I really like Mikey Anderson, and I think those two guys are going to be good enough to be – top four defensemen at the NHL level, especially in complementary roles. And I think that this pick is perfect for them. So if you have Drew Doughty as your top pairing defenseman for the next, you know, five years while Clark's develop while Clark develops, Anderson or Bjornfoot's gonna be good enough to play with Drew Doughty. And then you have Clark as a second pairing guy and whoever isn't playing with Doughty can play with Clark. And I think that's an incredible top four. I think that Anderson Bjornfoot gets slept on a lot. I don't think people give them the credit they deserve, and I think both guys can be kind of a, you know, shut down guys in your top four to complement more offensive guys. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, um, you know, Bjornfoot is is a guy I actually spoke with uh, Kings legend Daryl Evans about. Um, he talked about him about two three years ago, before he or right when he got drafted as someone the Kings are looking to keep long term. Um, at, at that point as well. So, um, you know, what he's shown in the few games he's had with the Kings, um, I know when he first got drafted, he played a few games on Dowdy's line. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, um, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what, what, what Rob Blake and team do, um, you know, with, you know, because he's, he's mentioned throughout this whole offseason one of that young elite left shot defenseman. So, um, but I, I like your take as well, Austin. So, again, I think the Kings, what's good, the good problem to have is they have a lot of options, which they haven't had in the past historically. Yeah, definitely. A little insider information from Chuck there with Daryl Evans, huh? Mm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, name drop, not a big deal. Uh, Adam, what do you think about if whether or not they even need that left shot guy now that they have Brent Clark? Yeah, I, th I think it all just depends on your confidence in those two guys. Like, uh, I think we mentioned Duncan Keith earlier, but it almost reminds me of the Chicago teams. If those guys pan out the way you think they will, I could very well see, like, obviously Dowdy and Keith aren't similar, but they're the same, like, elite oh, defensemen. They're going to be a Norris candidate. And then you look at the other two guys, like, Bjornfoot kind of reminds, reminds me of Nick, Nicholas Jarmelson. And I could see a world where Anderson kind of fills that same role that Brett Seabrook had. So, like, if you have three guys and then you add in a Brett Clark or um, even one of their other defensemen, Kale Clegg, like, that kind of fills in that, like, Johnny Oduya spot or um, for a while it was Brian Campbell for them. Like, three guys are enough if one of those guys is Drew Doughty. If, especially given the way that 
Bjornfoot, I, I think, is going to be very similar to, like, Nicholas Jarmelson, where he's – offensively, he's never going to wow you. But defensively, I think he'll be one of the best shutdown guys in the league. And I could see Anderson being a similar guy to Seabrook, where he kind of does a little bit of everything. Yeah, I agree. Another team I'd say compared to would actually be the Lightning team that just won the Cup. They're kind of flipped. They really stacked their left side and then kind of have uh, more complimentary players on their right side. You look at their left side, it's Hedman, McDonough, Sergachev. I mean, those are three studs on that left side. And then you have Jan Ruda, Eric uh, Chernak, and David Savard on the right. And I think the Kings could do something really similar with their team. You could end up with Dowdy, Clark, and either Brock Faber or Helga Granz or even uh, like Matt Roy, if he's still around on your right side. And then the guys we mentioned on the left. And there's a big discrepancy in quality between your left and your right side, but that's still a combination that can win you a cup, right? Because those guys on the right side are just so good, especially in your top two pairings. Um, I touched on the couple of the prospects on the right side. I, I am interested to see what that does to those guys because I know the Kings love Brock Faber. It's been – Everywhere has been reporting that they absolutely love that kid. They think he's a future NHLer. And then they also have Helga Granz, who uh, they even took before Brock Faber in that same draft and who I think has a ton of potential. But now one of those guys won't have a roster spot on that right side. So do you think uh, maybe one of those guys gets dealt to either get a left shot defensive or maybe add another forward down the line? Uh, yeah, I, I could see it. I mean, obviously, like, every team kind of runs into that. At some point when you have prospects, like, you run into that log jam. Um, so, again, it, it just comes down to who you like. I mean, who you who you think is going to get you there, and then also who fits the role you need. I, mean, I don't know. To be honest, I haven't watched Grands or Faber. I've really only kind of read about their game. Um, so, like, it kind of depends on where you're at. Like, if you think that they're not going to be able to fill the role that you need, like, obviously, you can move those guys. So, it like, uh, we see it all the time. Like, obviously, Tampa's kind of a different case where they're just stacked. But you see a lot of times it, it's not necessarily the best roster, but it's the right roster. I, the St. Louis Blues come to mind um, where, like, you just kind of have the right guys there. So it's it's about who you think is going to be those right guys. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's You know, you're not putting together your NHL 21 franchise team, right? There's a lot more – it's a lot more complex putting together a real-life winning NHL team where you have to, you know, Every you have to be almost uh, more than the sum of your parts, unless you're like Tampa and you're just completely stacked. But you have to have guys playing the right roles. Like when the Kings won their two cups, you had guys like Willie Mitchell, uh, Martinez on that second run, Matt Green. Like those guys were they superstar elite players? No, but they filled their role super well. And I think that the Kings do have that on D when you add in Brent Clark, especially Chuck. Well, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I I haven't seen um, Faber or Grants play too much either, but but to continue your point on building the right team, um, I think Tampa is a little bit of the anomaly, especially with their cap situation this year. But uh, take a look at who they played, right? No one expected Montreal to be there in the finals, but it, it was the right team. It was the good mix of guys who were willing to play their role, who fit well into that system. And the Kings can definitely have that, and I think they do. Um, with the defensemen that they have now. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with the forwards here and, and who else they add this summer. But, um, but yeah, exactly what you guys were, were um, hitting home on. Yeah, that's a really good point when you bring up their forward group because the nice thing, they have just an unbelievably stacked forward group. Like, it's insane. So you don't really need to have this incredible decor, right? It needs to be good, obviously, to win a cup. You know, you need 
defense to win a cup, but it doesn't need to be you, – your forwards can be your strong suit, and then you kind of look to outscore teams almost in a sense, and I think the Kings have the roster to do that as well. So I think that's a really good uh, point you hit on. Uh, well, boys, you got anything else to talk about? I think we covered uh, everything on the expansion draft, entry draft. So you guys have anything else you want to touch on real quick before we finish up? Quick hot take. Uh, if a goalie becomes available, like huge goalie, we've seen a lot of movement lately, like Nedeljkovic going to Detroit. Like if one of those big young goaltenders come available, do you think the Kings would be willing to move John Quick? Personally, I, I would if I were them, if that guy came available. But, like, I know there's a lot of Kings fans that were upset that they didn't protect him. I wouldn't be opposed to it if one of those guys came available and they can go out and get him. Not only would I like that, I think the Kings would also be interested. Uh, it was pretty well reported that they were pretty interested in uh, uh, Wallstead, the goalie, and were looking pretty heavily to trade. When he was dropping, they were looking to get a pick there to get him. So I think if a guy like Nadeljkovic uh, becomes available, they'd be all over him. So I think that's a good shout-out. Uh, Chuck, you got anything to end it on? Keep taking the Wallstead thing. So, pardon <laughs> the words out of my mouth. But yeah, uh, there were reports that Kings were gonna were thinking about taking Wallstead anyways um, with their eighth pick. Mm. Um, obviously, glad they took Clark instead. But but yeah, um, definitely with Quick, you know, not getting any younger and the contract that he holds, yeah, definitely would not be opposed to that, Adam. Quick plus another like big uh, asset like a first round pick could get you maybe. I mean, considering what Nadeljkovic went for, that could get you a pretty big, pretty big goalie. So I think that could be a good thing to look for. Uh, well, that's a strong ending for this episode, boys. As always, super fun. Looking forward to being back next week. Uh, hopefully, some free agency talk to get to. So, uh, hey, always fun, boys. Go Kings, All right, fellas. Go Kings. <laughs>